would, turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Now today's message is going to sound a lot like last week's message, to love your enemies. In fact, the text that I'm going to use is very similar to last week's text in Matthew. And it contains the words, love your enemies, in it. So let's look at verse 27 and 28 of Luke chapter 6. And it sounds like the pages are starting to settle down a little bit. All right. It says, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. This morning, I'm going to be preaching on five words in that verse 28. That is, bless them that curse you. Bless them that curse you. These five words will make up our message this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we see some important instruction. Again, it can't be done in our flesh. It's only by Christ in us and by us listening to his instruction and having our minds changed about the way we do things that we can actually perform what you call us to do. I'm so thankful it's of you. I'm so thankful to know that you keep us and that you help us and it's, it's all through you. And uh, you care for us and you love us. We saw that in our verses today and John 17 and the prayer to God for us from Jesus Christ and what a wonderful prayer. So Father help us to gain something from this message this morning for we ask it in Jesus name. Amen. Now this is a very practical message. Okay, It's not easy but it's very practical. You'll be able to pick up on this and it'll be very useful to you. Now I'm going to start out, have you, I'm going to talk about a couple of wars today. Have you ever heard of the Joe-Joel War? No. <laughs> I have not witnessed it, but I've been told about it. Where one of them goes up to the other one and just says, no. And the other one says, yes. And the other one says, no, yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> and they have this little, little war that they, they do. It's kind of, sounds kind of cute to me. But you know... If you ever notice, it wasn't, please, thank you, please, thank you. <laughs> no, yes, it's a battle, it's a, it's a war. I remember a common phrase my mom would say to me, and probably to you all as well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I heard that a bunch of times growing up. Maybe I was a really sensitive kid, or maybe it's just with all kids. You know, I would come up crying to my mom about getting my feelings hurt, and I was the sixth of seven children. And so it's quite common for the older siblings, and Beth, you are experiencing this, uh, for the older ones to get under the skin of the younger kids, just, just to get them going and irritate them. So I probably was running to my mom about my brothers and sisters saying this and that to me, and she probably got tired of it, and uh, she had that phrase down pretty pat. You know, it's an auto-response type of thing when you, when you are little and begin to say why about everything. You ever, you know, the, there it is. I think I just heard it. 
And you can count on an auto response because like it's either why you say because or because I said so. And you try to wear that kid down with that, you know. I think that's the whole the whole thing, but it doesn't happen. They kids are strong at that. They still ask why. Now, however, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Is a little different than a child asking why, and you could say because or because I said so, and that's teaching obedience. That's, there's not anything wrong with that. But sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me is one of the most common bold-faced lies parents say to their children. I have been hurt physically many times, and I can recall, recall the trial and pain. I remember running a race and falling on a concrete curb, and it just tore my knee up, and I was younger, and that was uh, quite an ordeal. I remember scraping my stomach on a fence that I was climbing over. I remember some bad hamstring pulls. And then I had an auto accident not that long ago that was pretty serious. And I remember that very well. Now, physical injuries can be very hurtful and go beyond scars to alter your lifestyle, even taking your life. But harmful words from others can be just as devastating and something we experience far more than we do physical injuries. Typically on a daily basis, we'll have something or some little thing that somebody says that kind of tweaks us a little bit. Now I remember a few instances in my life when the words cut me to the bone. Some were just cruel and hateful. When I was early in my work career, there was a coworker and fellow carpooler that I drove and we had a great relationship, but then I heard him talk to some of the fellow workers and say some really ugly things about me. Just not very nice, very hurtful things. He didn't know I was there. I mean, I, I remember. I, could, I can still feel what that was like. I remember there was another time when my brother Ray and I were racing down a road, and there was some sand in the road, and he, he wiped out and he busted his teeth on the pavement, which uh, his two front teeth, and there was blood all over. And I went racing home, went to the basement where my dad was working, and I'm telling him all about this, this thing and how he needs to, you know, we need to urgently get over there and help him. And my dad looked at me and said, go tell your mother. <laughs> I remember that just like cut me to the bone. Now I understand today, what dad might have been going through at that time. <laughs> and what else all might have been going on, and I understand that. And even the, the fellow who spoke bad about me, it doesn't, you know, I don't have any bitterness to it, but I remember those things. Now, I thought about this. Ray wouldn't remember the incident like I remembered it, but growing up in a large family with little money for restorative dental work... <laughs> He bore a smile with two front teeth that had four sharp points. They were like, doom, doom. I mean, they had four sharp points. <laughs> and he had to bear the cruel nickname Wolfie and Fangs at a very sensitive time in his life of his age. Who knows? Maybe my parents were talked about to their face or behind their back about the cruelty of not getting that fixed, you know? But maybe the real reason was that they would have. And the dentist is just waiting for his teeth to grow a little more or something like that. Who knows? But I can tell you this. 
that the injury by the tongues of others are very, very real, very often, and can be quite the trial and has the potential for long-term bitterness. I'll tell you about another war called the Pig War. Has anybody heard of the Pig War? We're going to give you a little American history. Okay, I'm going to make a really awful picture of our United States here. As our country, you know, in 1812 there was a war, and we were constantly fighting with the British and the U.S. over where these border lines would be. And they kept drawing a straight line, is what they ended up doing in, in an agreement. And it came, came through through a straight line through here. Okay, and there was this Oregon Territory, which the British and the U.S. kind of had together, and then finally the U.S. got this territory. And they were coming through here, and they were dividing the line. They came to, and like, uh, Vancouver comes over here, and something like that. We have an island right here. And they came to a point here, and it was just prior to the Civil War, and there was San Juan Island. Well, they had always started making a straight line through here, but now all of a sudden there was no straight line. So what happened was the English and the British cohabited these islands. Actually, there were several islands in here off of Washington between Vancouver. And so they, uh, there was farmers on the land from the American side and it was also the, the British had some, some people there. And that British guy had a pig, black boar pig. And he went over to the American farmer who had his potatoes and he was rooting up and eating his potatoes. He shot the pig. So through that, words came. And believe it or not, there's a, a, a name, um, George Pickett, if you've heard of him. Okay, and Pickett's Charge. Well, prior to that, he was involved in coming up here, landing on here, and bringing American troops in over this. And the, the English, the Brits, they came in with their naval uh, armory, and it almost came out to a full-scale war. They call it the Pig or Potato War. These are the things that <laughs> amazingly happen just with words. Now, if you're wondering, the U.S. did end up getting the island. They were struggling. They had all sorts of Congress meetings. They couldn't decide, should the line go here, or should the line go here? Or they tried to say it should go here, but no, nobody wanted to, to do the, the most common, the right thing. They, they, uh, they took it to court, and it was actually... Um, settled outside of the U.S. I forget who it was, maybe the French or something, who they just let them figure out, just tell us which where it should go. And the U.S. ended up getting it. Ha <laughs> ha, rah, rah, right? All right. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. 
If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. You know, though our human nature will not permit the taming of our tongue. I'll just tell you that right now. It's impossible. If we just do what's in our nature, our tongue's going to get out of line. God can train it for us by obeying his words, that sanctification word that we were talking about, teaching us some things and how to be godly and holy and, and hold our tongue in the right way. However, one thing is assured, we will be the subject of foul words from others. And today we're going to learn a little bit more about God's instructions, how to bless them that curse you. So let's look at an Old Testament event in the life of David the king that will help us very well understand this principle through David's actions. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 16. 2 Samuel chapter 16. Tim's nodding his head and knows where we're going. It's a very applicable story. Before we get there, I want to give a little bit of background. David is king here. Actually, he's been king for a while. His son Absalom is attempting to steal the throne by force. David had just fled Jerusalem and is on his way to Mahanaim, where he will regroup with his generals concerning a strategy, a strategy to save the kingdom. Meanwhile, as you can imagine, David is brokenhearted over Absalom's rebellion. 2 Samuel chapter 16, beginning in verse 5. And when the king David came to Behurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Girah. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David, and at all the servants of the king David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I have to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? 
So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him, and cursed as he went, and threw stones at him, and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came, came weary, and refreshed themselves there. Now it's been 25 years since Saul died, and David became king. Shimei was apparently a very bitter man over David taking over the kingdom. He cursed David and called him the son of a devil. He wrongly insinuated that David was paying for his actions as king through his son Absalom. You know, folks, <laughs> if you live any long and you want to live for the Lord, you're going to get some stuff said about you that's going to be wrong, cruel. I mean, it's, it's going to come at you. Shimei may have been fed this mistaken perception from his family. And that happens, and you see it, where somebody in the family talks about you and convinces somebody else of how you are. And it's amazing sometimes when it all gets straightened out, the, the humility that, <laughs> that comes around. Nonetheless, Shimei's cursing was very wrong and had a very hurtful time in David's life. Abishai, David's nephew, and one of his veteran soldiers offered to behead Shimei. And though it would have been understandable for David to agree with Abishai's offer, and especially in the condition he was, and just hearing this noise, I will call it in my ear, to say, yeah, go ahead, take care of it. But he didn't. And what he did and how he chose to deal with this matter will help us to understand some truths about God's command, how to bless them that curse you. Number one, he realized God allowed it. Now, I've always remembered something with Job. Job's strength and all the things that came about him, as he knew, God put a hedge. God moved the hedge. No matter what comes out of us, if God has done it, God has allowed it, it's good. It's okay. Second Samuel 16.10, And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zariah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? No one likes being verbally attacked. But David saw God as the controller of the situation. And many times there's something to learn from our critics. One reason might be to help us see a flaw in our lives. We all have blind spots, which means we can't see them. I know that this sounds pretty simple you know when we have blind spots it means we can't see them but other people can and i believe god will want us to have such close friendships that we can tell each other about shortcomings you know or things but it's really interesting that's a that's a very hard place to get um tim last week he had um i think it i'm thinking man, a little bit of cinnamon roll 
right there, you know, and he's coming up, you know, and and maybe others saw it, you know, and if you recall, you kind of have a hard time telling something about that. You know, you got a little there. But, you know, that's a friend thing to do. But you can see the nature of us is is to kind of avoid those things. For one, people we love and know don't want to hear necessarily what you have to say. It may not take it right, and it might just create a, a big explosion in the family. Even our closest family, our husband or wife, may have a hard time revealing something to us. Sometimes we're just oversensitive people and don't take things well. Or perhaps they just don't have the heart because they know it's going to hurt you. Well, thank God for your enemies because they don't have a single care about hurt. <laughs> They're going to tell you it straight up. Well, thanks to God for your enemies, but however, they're going to generally add a lot of lie, conjecture, and hurtful things that will drown out what might be a silver or pure gold of truth about you that you'll never get from your closest friends and family. There's a nugget there. David knew that there is something in it. God might have something in this for me. When we see the fact of God allowed something in our life, we need to search for any nugget of truth to gain from it. And it's a lot easier to, to grab it because all that noise there, you know, it doesn't become personal. You can hear something yourself between you and God. But in all three points, in order to give the right response, we must be able to tune out the static in our life. I was talking with Esther a few days ago, and we were talking about areas of life that the devil does to distract us, and then how distraction is like static. You know, you think with David, the Shimei was devil distraction. If he could get him focused in on that, he would lose the battle. That static can be like emotions taking control or perhaps being involved where you do not belong or taking responsibility for things that you are not responsible for. All these things are like static, like trying to dial in a radio station. If you tune slightly above the frequency or slightly below, you get that static where it makes it hard, if not impossible, to hear the message you need to hear on the station, God's station, who's trying to speak to you. Also, you must not let others have the dial on your station. It's your dial. Right or wrong and how you use it, it's your dial. But don't let others start tweaking on your dial. You need to find uh, God in that situation. Don't pass through the static to a wrong station. On the high side, there is W, I am great. And on the low side is W, woe is me, both of which are nothing, are two forms of pride in life. You're not to get on either one of those stations or go farther in the station to some wild music that feeds your flesh. You need to stay on God's station and make it clear. You know, it may be that when you tune out Satan's attack, strategy and clearly tune into God. You may hear what the radio stations are famous for. It might not be instruction. Radio stations are known for music. 
Sometime God wants to use verbal attacks to draw us closer to him. You ever see a child when they're hurt and they just can run up and how close and how tight they will grab you and how the feelings and emotions and the bonding that happens in those situations. Sometimes God wants us this to, he brings us to draw closer to him. James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw, draw nigh to you. Psalm 121, 1, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Not only do we need to remember that God allowed it, this verbal <laughs> attack or abuse, we need to remember to keep the right perspective in it. David had a larger perspective than just one man at the moment. 2 Samuel 16, 11, And David said unto Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth out of my bowels, seeketh my life. <clears throat> How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse. For the Lord hath bidden him. This is one of the devil's dirtiest tricks to get your attention on something that is minor and have you major on it. He wants to call you out on the front porch with a few words while he breaks in your back door and attacks your family. We need to be wise. The Bible tells us to walk circumspectly. David saw the big picture, and he wasn't drawn into this little diversion over here to draw him away from what the big picture is. We must keep the right perspective. David was not going to let this Shimei take his attention off the most pressing issue, which was the fate of the nation and of his family. A right perspective and verbal thrashing <clears throat> is seeing hurt people properly. Luke 6.45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. More often than not, it is hurt people who hurt others. Shimei was the bitter hurting one. <laughs> Hurting people tend to blame others for their problems. But it is more true that they are the root of their own problems. I'll never forget a pastor's story of a lady who came into his office ripping him up and down and sideways. And then rather than lashing back, which he probably had the right to, he made a statement that brought everything into perspective. When the lady was finished ranting and raving, he, he said calmly, it must have taken a lot of courage for you to come in and express such deep concerns and hurt. I certainly want to understand and clear up anything on my part. The statement broke the lady and she began to let out the real problem that she was having in her life. And he was able to minister. But so many times we can make a war instead. We can lash back. But the right perspective sometimes is realize when somebody's coming at you, there is something there. It's something in them why they're coming at you. The, the problem is not necessarily always you, but a lot of times it's with the person who's coming at you. God has some good advice concerning perspective in a tough situation. In Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor 
and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It's good to remember what you're forgiven of. Now, this may seem simple to you. You may think it's easy to understand people. Um, and you, you may think it's simple to think of people with Alzheimer's. Okay? They may verbally and or physically abuse you. And that of your own dear mother or father. Correct perspective and response sometimes doesn't come easy. So you... you you think, maybe if you haven't been there, you may think that would be easy to understand. But when you're getting attacked and abused and things said, you've got to get the perspective on that. Also, when we have the right perspective, we see the overriding real problem. We see a sinful world in an evil day on a battlefield. It should not take us back. We should be somewhat warriors understanding that this this is going to happen you know in a war people fire guns <laughs> and people are going to fire at us again we need to tune out this truth when we think the ultimate answers are here on earth you just tune that on out that's not the answer because <laughs> we'll be fighting in the flesh when we when we think we can fix this world when we think that we can fix poverty Bible, that's never going to happen. When we can save the world through science, it's not going to happen. We have introduced, when we believe those kind of things, we introduce static into our lives and we are tuned, beginning to become tuned into the station W O R L D. World, in case you swallowed spelling. Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So not only do we need to remember that God allowed it, and there's something in it for us, possibly, and to keep the right perspective and things we need to lastly remember to let God be in control of the situation David's response to persecution was to relinquish it to God to leave the results in God's hands second Samuel 16 12 it may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day David trusted that God could bring good to him through his situation. Now, there's a couple of truths within this point that will help us to remember to trust God with the problem. First, we must hang on to, hold on to, and never let go of. And I think of Jacob when he wrestled with the Lord. He just wouldn't let go until God blessed him. That to grip the truth that God will take care of you. I know that sounds simple, but sometimes we falter here. Remember, God will take care of you, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now there was a Baptist minister, Walter Stillman Martin. And this is for you, Andy. Andy likes hymns and preaching from hymns. So maybe you've heard this one or not. So this fellow, Walter Stillman Martin, and his school teacher wife, Sevilla Durfee Martin, wrote songs for revival meetings. And then he was invited to preach, but his wife became ill. And he considered canceling it, but then his son challenged him. He said, if God wants you to preach, don't you think he will take care of mother? Oof. You know, and when God puts his hand on on words, it can make a difference. So Walter went and preached and left his wife back. But his wife got better, was doing really well, well, and wrote the lyrics to a song. When Walter returned, he wrote the music to his wife's lyrics. In 1905, the song, God Will Take Care of You, was published. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day for all days. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Just think about those songs. He was experienced. He knew God would take care of things. God will not only take care of you, but also God will take care of the other person. You know, eventually David regained the throne. And you can imagine Shimei feared for his life. But when David had the opportunity to get back at Shimei, he showed him mercy. So we'll look at the conclusion of the story, 2 Samuel, go to chapter 19. 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18. Now things are cleared up. He's able to handle things. 2 Samuel chapter 19, beginning in verse 18. And there went out a ferry boat to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king as he was come over Jordan. He's coming back to set up his, and there is Shimei, the cursor, the one who called him a devil. And they gave him just, when he was down, gave him a bunch of lead. And he said unto the king, Let not my lord impute iniquity unto me, neither do thou remember that which thy servant did perversely the day that my lord, the king, went out of Jerusalem, that the king should take it to his heart. For thy servant doth know that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I am come this first day, the first this day of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord, the king. But Abishai, the son of Zeruai, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? <laughs> David said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zariah, that ye should this day be adversaries unto me? Shall there any man be put to death in this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this day king of over Israel? Therefore the king said unto Shimei, Thou shalt not die. And the king sware unto him, but sadly, David's mercy did not soften Shimei's heart, apparently. Shimei was offered a condition of continual peace 
later with Solomon when he was king. But Shimei broke that arrangement and Solomon had him killed. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 42 through 44. And I'll go ahead and read. And the king sent and called for Shimei and said unto him, Did not I make thee to swear by the Lord and protest unto thee, saying, No, for a certain on the day that thou goest out and walkest abroad any whither that thou shalt surely die? And thou saidst unto me, The word that I have heard is good. Why then hast thou not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I have charged thee with? The king said moreover to Shimei, Thou knowest all the wickedness which thine heart is privy to. We, we see we don't even know what's in people. God knows and God knows the timing. Said that thou didst to my David father, therefore the Lord shall return thy wickedness upon thine own head. And so God took care of that. We need to remember that God is able to handle people that resist us. David was wise to move the judgment of Shimei to God, seeking mercy for him. And so doing, he exercised forgiveness and he avoided bitterness. Romans 12, 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. In the New Testament, 2 Timothy 4, 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. So when people come to us and in such a situation sometimes when things are happening there's a lot of words said but we need to remember that God allowed it look for something in it for us and maybe he wants to say something to us through it and then to keep the right perspective what this whole thing is about and not not get drawn into something you shouldn't be get drawn into understand the perspective of the whole situation and then to let God have control of it as the pianist comes can we bow our heads and close our eyes as I pray that God has spoken to us each individually I know every one of us have been in these situations and will be in these situations and probably today in some form or fashion we'll get into this situation may we remember King David you know it seems he was older at this time the older you get the more you realize how things some things aren't that big a deal we're able to see the bigger picture and we're able to handle situations, give it to the Lord, draw close to him, all these things that are taught to us today. Lord, I pray that you would sink this into our hearts and help us to respond like we should, to bless them. This is how we bless them that curse us. Is that, and it's all out of care and love concern and keeping our eyes and our heart where it needs to be tuned into you directly into you and not getting off of that have thine own way Lord have thine own way 
we see so much more than we see. We can trust you. As in the bulletin today, we had a, a message there that applies to this situation. I can't quite remember exactly what was said. But God can take care of it all. Let us draw close to him. Amen. Thank you for your attention. I pray the Lord spoke to you. Gave you some good advice today. Uh, not the earthly advice. Not the uh, uh, yes, no war. <laughs> Maybe the please thank you or I don't know. All right. Andy, follow would you close us in?